만약에 당신이 비오는 날 공중전 앞에 우두칸에 서 있다가 보라색 우산으로 얼굴을 가린 사내를 만나게 된다면 난 당신이 텔레비전과 친해지길 권하고 싶다. 텔레비전은 시계이자 달력이고 학교고 집이고 교회며 친구이자 애인이다. 에피소드 48 of the Cult of Matt and Mark Cult Film Review Podcast. I'm Matt. And I'm Mark. Make sure to visit us at our uh, website at cultfilmreview.blogspot.com or send us an email at cultfilmreview at gmail.com. This week, our film is uh, the South Korean, I'd almost call it a cult classic, uh, film Old Boy by filmmaker uh, Park Chan-wook. Uh, this is a actual uh, sequel of a trilogy, or it's the second movie in a trilogy of uh, other vengeance of his vengeance trilogy. I guess uh, it's called. Yeah, uh, I, ju- I had just learned about that. I, I haven't seen anything else by the same. The uh, I haven't. Uh, from what I've read, uh, the other two films sort of pale in comparison. I don't have oh. the other names of those films, but... Uh, oh, it's called, like, Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance and Sympathy for L- Lady, Lady Vengeance. Vengeance. Yeah, I just found so I think that. they have various names depending on how you translate them from Korean. Oh. Well, I got a little fucked watching this movie. I You got uh, fucked? Well, not so much fucked, but uh, I, I, I watched it in a suboptimal... Uh, format. I thought I was getting the DVD this week from Netflix. I cracked uh-huh. it open and I got the Mark Hamill 1977 film Corvette Summer <laughs> instead. So, oh, because it was uh, it was like uh, it was they sent you the next one on your list. Yeah, and you and I had I had bandied about the movie Corvette Summer, which is really a terrible film, but it is kind of a cult movie, and was yeah. thinking about us reviewing it at some point so it was lingering in my queue and i didn't mm-hmm. move old boy to the top so i ended up watching it on netflix instant and was forced to watch uh what i would th- call a bad dub of the film oh so, you 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 saw a dub oh shit you know they really got to do a better job i mean i don't have netflix instant any longer but i was really disappointed that they don't have dub versus subtitled well, they give you Versions. a few yeah, they give you a few menu options in Netflix and I thought I could tease it out of the settings, but all I could do was get actually just the closed caption of the film with still mm-hmm. the English dub and it was pretty Well, awful. yeah, that's based off the dub, which is probably a different translation. So what I did was I sort of turned down the sound quite a bit. It was I watched it in the morning and Rose was going about the you know kitchen business it's a, there it's a long film too it's a good yeah and so hours. i didn't want like a bunch of you know craziness going on in the background while she was doing rose didn't thing. want to uh watch a movie about dual incest no strangely you think that'd be right up you know the gals sort of uh alley yeah. as far as Jean watched the end of it she was just confused <laughs> she came well, in about the last half hour when all the reveals are being done and i'm like going what the fuck yeah it, this movie genuinely surprised the living shit out of me I thought I you'd not, watch this I did before. Not see it, I did not see it coming. Well, uh, I had watched the first uh, half of it before. Oh, Jesus. And then I, didn't, then I never finished watching it, and I always meant well, to go back. And then yeah, I finally did finish watching it. It's kind of fucking worthless <laughs> if you only watch the first half of it. Uh, it has the action scenes, which I really enjoy. But I, oh, I, I, I never right. finished it all the way to the last reveal. I think I got a little bored okay. at, when I first saw it, but I really wanted to come back and see it because of that great action scene. Oh, okay, so let, me, let me do the plot rundown here. Uh, South Korean filmmaker Park Chan-wook directed this violent and offbeat story of punishment and vengeance. Odesu, played by Choi Min-sik, Choi Min-sik is a husband and father whose reputation for womanizing is well known. One day, for reasons he doesn't understand, Odesu finds himself locked up in a prison cell with no idea of what his crime was or whom his jailers may be. With a small television as his only link to the outside world and a daily ration of fried dumplings as his own sus- 
as his only sustenance, Odisu struggles to keep his mind and body intact. But when he learns through a news report that his wife has been killed, he begins a long and difficult project of digging an escape tunnel with a pair of chopsticks. Before he can finish, and after 15 years behind bars, Odisu is released with as little explanation as when he was locked up. And he's soon given a wad of money and a cellular phone by a bum on the street. Emotionally stunned by physic, but physically strong after 15 years in jail, Odesu struggles to unravel the secret of who is responsible for locking him up, what happened to his wife and daughter, and how to best get revenge against his captors. So, um, I'm just gonna say because I, I know we we spoil the shit out of every movie we review, but we're really gonna spoil the shit out of this movie. So yeah, that reveal is really important. I think. So if you have not seen Old Boy and are thinking that this review might lead you to watch it, I would just go ahead and watch it and then listen to us later. You know, because yeah, uh, usually I'm not I'm not too strongly affected by spoilers. I don't really mind. I mean, I saw Looper a couple of days ago, and I basically read the storyline. Yeah. And I didn't find that it uh, ruined the experience. Maybe it improved it because so, so many other people were surprised by the turn it takes. I watched. And I wasn't since I I basically already been given the twist had already been given away to me. I watched M Night Shyamalan's The Village uh, mm. after I had read the spoiler, and uh, I enjoyed it, it even though it was uh, pre-spoiled. Um, yeah, you but, would definitely see some. Uh, I mean, I went. I mean, I just just going back over it. Looking for a snippet to take, I uh, I did notice a little bit of foreshadowing about the uh, incestuous relationship between uh, Mido and uh, Desu uh, when they first meet at the uh, sushi restaurant. They're talking about how each one looks really familiar to the other. But they can't oh, that's right. It. Yeah, and they did I, I didn't really that. make much of it when I first saw them, but. Uh, I well, that, I that was pretty interesting. Let's give let's give away the grand arc since we're going to spoil this, and it, it it'll set. Well, let's make sure we're on the same page because it comes hard and heavy right at the end. Okay, so so the gist, I guess we're just going to spoil it right here. Is uh, Wu Jin, who is Odysseus' jailer, and that jail is a little weird. I, I it was like kind of a jail for hire was what I could come up with. There is other yeah, people being. I mean, kept. basically Wu Jin. It's like a gang who runs a detention facility where you can they'll detain and feed and generally make sure, you know, whoever you want kept there is kept there alive for whatever period of time you desire. Yeah, it was a pretty uh, sound business practice because the place can obviously run for 15 plus years. So, Well, they keep actually pretty good care of, of the prisoners, even though they're in solitary confinement. I mean, I've read about like per- political prisoners or uh, hostages of terrorist groups. And sometimes your treatment is really bad, even yeah, though they like, want to keep you. They want to keep you alive. It's just that uh, the people who are doing it. I mean, they don't want to spend much resources doing uh, it. Right. So I was sort of surprised about the level of resources that was put into it. I think if something existed in reality, they'd keep you more in a cage and hose you down every once in a while. Well, just to save, just save overhead. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is if it's like a uh, mob type of operation, you may just want to keep, like, hostages that Mm. you're not necessarily going to punish, but you just want to detain for a certain amount of time that have no contact with the outside world and vice versa. So Yeah, well, well, not vice versa. They get the TV, which I thought was sort of interesting. Well, nobody can contact or could get in to contact them either. You yeah. just want to put them yeah. in a holding pattern. So if you've, let's say, kidnapped a, a daughter or son of a famous businessman and you're extorting him and stuff, and you don't want to hurt your captor or punish your captor. Yeah, you want to be hurt like in decent condition. You, know, yeah. you don't want her getting a nasty infection or something. So it was kind of interesting, though, when he's like underneath grabbing out through the bottom of his jail cell, and then you get the picture of when the dumplings come he, you know, fly where he f- throws him back into the room, and you see the other side of the door. And the jail cell is not uh, what you expect. It's sort of interesting. Oh, that it's just a hotel room, basically. Exactly. Yeah, with a fake little windmill out the window. Yeah, a little uh, what do they call it? a light box? Yeah, <laughs> and that was uh, neat. and kind of a nasty bathroom that decays over the years as he's there. And uh, well, but, you know, this whole fifteen-year detention is done in like the first 15 minutes of the film 
Right. Yeah. You get in, and I'm not sure exactly what time point he gets out, but uh, he gets out like about the 20th minute. And so it's a really fast setup. And you almost don't quite feel the 15 years passing. I know the movie tries to make you feel those 15 years, but I didn't quite feel them. It felt like maybe it was more like a couple years. I don't know how you do that. If you, unless... I think you got to show more changes in the character, like see him in various states. I mean, you basically just see him come in sort of as the fat, alcoholic womanizer that's a little past his prime. And then right. next time you see him, he has long, raggy hair and is thin and sinewy. You don't really see different stages. It seems like after the first couple of years, he's already thin and sinewy. Yeah. And Even though they actually make out. a point that he doesn't start working out till like the fifth year. Well, there's also the comment, his overdub, that uh, they clean him up or they trim his hair and they clean him up when they knock yeah, they him gas out with gas. Him, they knock him out with gas and they trim his hair every once in a while. But he still yeah. looks like raggedy shit throughout the years. Uh, yeah, I think they only cut his hair, they cut it, do that infrequently, where they change the sheets, like once every couple of months or something. Right. So the gist... But the hair, I think maybe they just really do a a ramshackle job of the hair. They just cut cut it off in tufts. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, they probably don't spend a lot of time, because, you know, who's he, who who does he need to look good for? He just kind of need to do it for hygiene reasons and be done with it, Mm -hmm. I suppose. Probably want to shave him so he lice would, well, I guess if they're isolated, you wouldn't get lice. Uh, no, that's true. Yeah, you got to pass lice. But, uh, yeah, a n- nasty place to be spending 15 years. And uh, I, you know, I often wonder what solitary confinement, so- solitary confinement, I think, uh, like the ACLU is trying to rule it as a cruel and unusual punishment because it is actually pretty psychologically devastating to be in solitary confinement for really any period of time, let alone years. And, uh, you know, I've often wondered, like, because I'm always deathly afraid of jail. For some reason, that's, like, one of my phobias. Like, uh, I'm a good citizen that way. You know, jail actually does scare the hell out of me. But to be in, like, solitary confinement, I would think, would be god-awful. And you Well, if you had some books or something, it may not be that bad. Uh, You just think about who you're hanging out with otherwise. Well, you could be, like, shanked in the ass with a bunch of, uh, you know prison gangs i that would be yeah that would be terrifying all itself but it would be a different kind of terrifying it wouldn't be as it'd keep you busy it'd keep you busy and it wouldn't be as mentally violent i don't think i don't know i it, it would be a challenge and so when otis yeah, it'd be tough to come out of 15 years of solitary confinement uh with your psyche in any sort of reasonable state so uh is it odisu or desu i i, I don't know Desu? Yeah, is that is that what they, I call him Odesu, but uh, Desu. Uh, his name is, is Desu. Is uh, sometimes they? I think they. I think his uh, last name is. Let me see here from the actual. Oh, his Desu. last name is O. So, uh, oh, right. as in Eastern Asia, the last the family name goes first. So people call that's him why there's Odesu. like Desu. That's why there's like a million a million Kims in Korea. Yeah, that's all. Well, that's all the last name. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, so uh, I, I'm just calling him by his given name, Desu. So, that's, all, that's all I'll address the rest of the characters, too. So the gist of the movie, or at least the the the, the modus operandi of the main characters, at least Wujin, is that Odesu back at this school, his high school, which was uh, Evergreen, and their mascot was the old boys, correct? Was that their ass? That was their mascot, or is that was just people called who were... Uh, the people who had uh, graduated to call themselves, like the alums were called old boys. Oh, is that what that's, it was? That's the feeling I had, but maybe okay. maybe, maybe that was their mascot. I don't remember that being the case, though. Seems like a weird I think it was like, it was like if you were to get together a bunch of guys from Evergreen, be like the Evergreen old boys. Or uh, okay. Uh, and uh, Odesu, uh, he's a, I guess he's a bit of a gossip hound. Uh, he's a rumor spreader. Uh, he has a big mouth. No, well, that wasn't necessarily the case. I think mostly it was uh, his uh, his friend uh, Yoon He. Yeah, that's uh, that's the guy that we see periodically in the film. Who uh, he's at the internet cafe and uh, yeah, he runs the internet cafe, and he's the buddy that's picking him up at the uh, cop shop. Oh, right, being detained for public drunkenness at the beginning. right. So he catches a glimpse of. 
one of the no, girl. no. Daesu catches that glimpse. Yeah, right, Daesu catches a glimpse of a of girl of Juhan that I ass- Wu Jin. I assume he has some kind of a crush on. At least that was my impression. Who Yours. what? Daesu. He had a, well. Daesu least- was a player. He pretty much was just he was getting as much action as he could in high school. So he didn't have a crush or anything. He was just hitting on her like he hit on every other woman. He was sort of known as a. Uh, a uh, bit of a lady killer in a high pussy school. Pussy hound. Yeah. Sure. Right. Yeah. And uh, uh, I mean, it's a wonderful shot near the end where you see uh, uh, the old Desu uh, uh, retracing his footsteps leading up to that moment. It was a very nice splice of uh, flashback and the present. It really worked well, I thought. And uh, the, yeah, it was really nice. The I film- was a little confused at first, but. Uh, the filming, the outdoor scenes always had that washed out look that kind of gave me the impression that they were trying to go for an effect like if you'd been in darkness and then you go into the light, you know, how everything is uh, just overexposed because your pupils are so dilated. Now, it's what the outdoor well, scenes kind of look like. Well, I mean, it's desaturated. Like right, yeah. And so. I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I was sort of, I mean, may, I guess maybe it was a choice since this guy was accomplished. Uh, it seemed like more about, like maybe it was poor filmmaking technique, but uh, yeah, I can see right. what you're saying because inside, I guess it was a little more rich on the interior shots. I liked it. I thought it was a good effect. I thought yeah, they did a good job. Yeah. Uh, so he catches a glimpse of this girl. Who? What's her name? I forget. Jaywan or Sua? Sua. Uh, mm-hmm. What's the right word? Um, well, she's the sister of Wu Jin, right? She's and Wu Jin kid. is taking off her clothes and yeah Wu Jin's sort of feeling her up but that's her brother and it's her brother and yeah but uh Daesu spreads a rumor about her not necessarily that she, her brother is having sex with her no no he just uh he doesn't spread a rumor he tells his friend uh, uh you and he he goes hey he, he was remember Day Sue was just leaving school. He was his family was moving to Seoul, so he was leaving the school before the end of the term. Okay, and so uh, he just told. Um, I don't know if he actually. I think he actually did. He uh, told his friend Yoon Hee, the guy who runs the internet cafe, later in the film, that he saw, you know, her being felt up by some guy. I don't think he knew who it was. He just knew the woman. And so and his he friend was just telling him that. Yeah, and his friend spread the rumor. Continued going to school, ended up calling her a floozy or something like that. Okay. Uh, I guess she was starting to get convinced that she was pregnant, something along those lines, and then in her despair committed suicide. I think that's the shtick. Right. And uh, her brother, who is Ju Win. Is that, uh, am I getting these yeah, names no, right? Be, yeah, uh, Wu Jin. Murdering Wu Jin. Okay. Wu Jin. Uh, mm-hmm. Knows that it was Daesu who, I guess... He he knows that it was him who started the the rumor, or started the gossip, or started the uh, I don't know. Yeah. Well, he got the ball rolling. Remember, uh, you know, a a rock or a or a grain of sand both sink the same in water. Correct. Whether yes. it was a, a over the top effort to get it rolling, or if it was just the slightest breath that caused the rock slide. So he was the. He is, he is no less or more culpable for it. The butterfly in, in, wing uh, or the Bujin's but- eyes. Yeah, so he was the butterfly wing that basically led to his sister's death. And, yeah, so right. he's basically at fault. For, so uh, that, that's 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 uh, that's uh, Wu Jin's explanation, but that, you don't you don't get that till the very end, and I did not see it. Um, I didn't either. I and so as a result, uh, Wu Jin concocts what could only be called an extremely elaborate revenge plot. To, yeah, it is very, it is very elaborate. It's pretty, it's pretty <laughs> impressive. It's right on the order of like, remember the game? You ever see the movie The Game? Yeah, the game's good. Yeah, it's 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 as intricate as that. It almost sort of reminds me of that ever so slightly because you see, uh, Desu trapped in this in this web of deceit, and he doesn't really know what's going on. He's sort of turning this way and that all the way to the very end. So, yeah, he has no free will. As we come to realize, as it's his life after his release is completely manipulated via hypnosis, and Wu Jin has hired a hypnotist uh, who periodically entered entered his cell over the fifteen years and planted. What do you call those? Where you plant sort of 
memory. Oh, I don't suggestive memories. Suggestions into his head yeah. about, I don't know, sushi restaurants and sort of things like that. And so when he gets out, he's motivi- motivated by these suggestions cued by the cell phone ring or something to that effect. Yeah, all sorts. It was more, it was even more complicated than that. was like multi-layered. And, and the same with Mido. They had done the same thing to Mido, except Correct. she hadn't been in prison. You know, the great thing about this revenge plot that uh, Wu Jin cooks up is the 15 years aren't the revenge. No, They're just a all. necessity to get out of the way because they got to let Mido get up to the year, age of 18. She's three when the movie starts. Yeah, and he goes. Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, uh, De Su basically killed my sister. Who I was having a incestuous relationship with. So how can I get back at him? I know I'll have him put him into an incestuous relationship. Wow, His daughter's three. So see, I gotta just hold him for 15 years, and then I can really let my plan go. That so is, 15 years was just set up. It was just something to get out of the way, so he could actually do the plot. To uh, get him snared into an incestuous relationship. This is fascinating. That is sort of mad genius thinking. I don't think you get in the average individual. Uh, it's that like, is that's a, that's that's right up there with James Bond, crazy villain. That's who levels. that's who Wu Jin reminded me of because he's obviously an eccentric narcissist with a lot of money. And yeah, he's almost he's almost unaging. See how young he looks yeah, the whole time, looks, even though they're they're supposedly the same age. Of course, I guess Desu had a bit of a tougher go of it, fifteen years in solitary. But no sunshine, your skin would look pretty good. I mean, yeah. sunshine really makes people's yeah, he faces was, get wrinkly and old. He was like drinking the blood of children or something. That guy was, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I can go. He's I can, a good looking fella. Yeah, he. Uh, I'm surprised they just didn't use him for the flashback scenes. <laughs> Maybe a Mr. Han gave him a nice, you know, facial uh, treatment every night before he went to bed. Oh man, or had him in some oxygen. I like Mr. Han. I mean, it's great. Uh, Wu Jin even has a, a sort of a weird sidekick. Yeah, he has his own Mr. odd Han. job, doesn't he? Yeah, the white-haired Mr. Han who says nothing. Uh, throughout the whole well, thing. he says ever so slightly a couple of things here and there. Uh, so Wu Jin, yeah, he cooks. Like cooks the situation for 15 years by pulling Desu uh, away from his family. And then uh, you can only be led to suspect that he had Wu Jin's wife killed and framed him for it, strangely. Uh, well, he literally did it because you s- they have that framing uh, news report happen right after one of these uh, drug events where they take, you know, they cut his hair and whatnot, and they take blood and take the glass that they planted at the scene of the crime with uh, Desu's fingerprints on it. Yeah, because they have him there, so they can do they can manipulate a crime. Yeah, scene they take evidence they from him because you see in the news report, there's they said the fingerprints on the glass belong to you know her ex husband, and also they show some blood splatter on a cloth as well. Uh, his daughter. Now, this is sort of the part. Maybe I got a little confused. Uh, his daughter was sent off to live with. A, Mido was sent off to live with foster parents, I guess, or, or some... In his, Stockholm, but that was a fabrication. That was a fabrication. So where she went afterward, I'm not quite sure. Well, Ju, Wu Jin says he took care of her. Okay, so... But I guess he must have taken care of her through intermediaries because, remember, she's also friends with Wu Jin just chat-wise on the internet. Oh, where right. Where he has the code name Evergreen. And right. she doesn't know exactly who he is. But I think he's sort of been keeping tabs on her that way. And also funding her and making sure things went okay for her. She seems to be doing all well. She's got a successful sushi chef and she was featured on a television show. Is it true that women don't make sushi because the Japanese think that their hands are too warm? Is that true? Uh, I don't know. Maybe so. I mean, and I guess then in Korea it'd be the same idea. Uh, I When I was working in Alaska... Uh, there's there was uh, the cannery I was working at. There was various components or departments of fish processing that went on there. So I worked in the freezer, which is a place where you would process the fish and you'd freeze them. And those are the fish that end up like on restaurant tables and things like that. The in cans, uh, man, in cans. <laughs> I'll have to tell that story another time. It's a little long, but uh, the uh, pink salmon, which is kind of the lowest grade would go off to the cannery and uh the eggs would be pulled out separately and then those eggs would be sent via some like water water tube 
to the egg house. And the egg house was run by Japanese technicians. It was all Japanese thing. Uh, there was no the, the whole the skeins full of eggs. Yeah, the skeins. Right? You, pull, you pull them out intact. Exactly. So they're not sort of the loose caviar that you see in like a kuro sushi. They're they're actually fully skeined uh, sacks of eggs, and they would pack these eggs in the egg house. Uh, but the Japanese technicians required only girls work there, so it was girls only in the egg house. And it was something with the Japanese that they believed. But it wasn't just Japanese women. It was No, it was like college girls from, you know, like uh, some of my friends that worked up there were in the Were the supervisors male or female? They're all male. The Jap- Yeah. Perfect. Oh, man. <laughs> know, yeah. They got it figured out. <laughs> yeah. Lucky dogs. So uh, they would require the only girls work there. Because they believed that men's hands were too clumsy and big and that they would crush and damage the egg skeins and the eggs. And since packaging was a huge component of the eggs, like the the appearance, uh, they didn't want to risk that. So they had women working there only, which, you know, I I don't know. I just chalked that up. That's a great excuse. God damn, those guys know what they're doing. Shit. So maybe that's the same deal with sushi chefs and uh, women. I have never seen a sushi chef that was a woman, so I, there's something uh, there. I don't know. I, don't, I, I doubt it has much to do with reality, whatever it is. Right. Unless uh, it's reality of getting your dick sucked at some point by a co-ed. That's probably part of it. Or at least some f- fun, friendly sexual harassment. I mean, that's got to be, you know, whatever. You're up there for the summer. You got anything better to do? We call it a fish slap up here. (laughs) Uh, Mido works at that sushi restaurant, and Daisu comes in. Uh, Doesn't know exactly why he needs to go to that sushi restaurant, but he ends up there, and it's through hypnotic suggestion that he's there. Uh, Mm -hmm. Mido has been programmed in the same fashion to find Daisu attractive or... Because what he does at that restaurant yeah, is... She's, her attraction is triggered by a certain key phrase that uh, Desu ends up saying, prompted by the telephone call. Because what Desu does at the sushi bar is completely unattractive. <laughs> we fall, oh, he eats the uh, octopus. You know, that was a real octopus. I, I read that. It's There was actually yeah. four octopus that were yeah. used for that scene. and uh, yeah, yeah, That an- sounds fucking disgusting. Animals were harmed in the making of Old Boy. Wow. Uh, I mean, you know. They were food animals. I guess Koreans actually do eat live octopus. It's a thing. but I, mean, I think sometimes you don't have the muscles go completely. I mean, I heard that, you know, you cut off the legs so they still squirm a little bit sometimes. Yeah, there's some. Put the live thing right in their plate and eat it. There's, there's some, probably videos on the internet, right? Oh, uh, I, I, yeah. There's some slicing, I guess, that goes on in preparation of the live octopus. But yeah, I got to be honest, I'm not a big fan of octopus anyway. So eat a live one, that would be even more disgusting. You know. Yeah, just imagine crunching down on its beak. Uh, uh, ooh, yeah, you got some hard parts in there, too. That's yeah, he was good. he was going right in there in the head. Oh, God, that's where all the gonads are. And the tentacles were wrapping up around his face. And I'd rather eat the tentacles, man. At least they're meaty. Uh, yeah, eating the, the, the head with all I don't the... Eat, I don't eat the... I mean, I got a no-gonad policy on my foods. Really? Really? No, te- no, uh, no Rocky Mountain oysters for you? No, I don't... Come on. I mean, do we... Re- look... I understand if you're starving, but for fuck's sake, man, no. if I can go get a... There's no reason to eat that shit. No, not at all. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <You> screwed him. <laughs> yeah, so he's eating the, the octopus, and I, I guess the actor, the actor's name, what is the actor's name who played Daisu? Uh, I should give him uh, some... His last name's Choi. Choi. Uh, he's a Buddhist, and he had to say a little prayer each time he, like, nod into an, oct- uh, an octopus. Uh, and there was some comment about, you know... Uh, did you, did you the, to the director? Did you feel bad for you know making your lead actor gnaw an octopus like four times? And it's like, well, I didn't feel as bad for the actor as I felt for the octopus. So, mm. ha ha ha. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, that's right. Yeah. The octopus had the got the short straw. On that yeah, one. Exactly. Uh, so after that scene, uh, Mido, I guess. Uh, what takes in Daisu because he doesn't have a home. Uh, I forget a little bit of that segue. That yeah, she of sort of, you know, tries to care for him. And, uh, you know, then the intrigue goes, and that's like an hour and a half of the film right there. 
Yeah, he's tracking down uh, Wu Jin. So there's a. I mean, it's a there's a law. It's actually a, it's actually a ra- rather nice little detective story. I thought where he's uh, putting pieces of the puzzle together. He's uh, you know they go to the school and look at the yearbooks and they check out all the uh, Blue Dragon restaurants. Yeah, because yeah, that was a really neat scene. That's one of the first things they do because. He got a little bit of the receipt in his food one time. And it said Blue Dragon. Oh, I thought so go, he just did. Around to eat. I thought hmm. it was just because he'd eaten dumplings every fucking day for 15 he had, years. He had eaten dumplings every day, and they always were exactly the same. And so the idea was, I just got to find the restaurant that serves these dumplings. I mean, right. I'll, I'll recognize these. No. So, but he did. they did have a flashback of him in his cell. Looking at oh, a okay. little scrap of paper that said, like a little tear off the bottom of the receipt that said Blue Dragon. So they went to all the Blue Dragons, but he couldn't find it. And eventually he realized it was actually the Violet Violet Blue Dragon. Oh, yeah. Restaurant. That, so from that, he chases down the, the jail. The delivery man, yeah. And, and, finds, and finds his place. And then, then there's the great action sequences with all the dentistry and the big fight scene. And that's only like about 45 minutes into the film. So there's that one scene that uh, I think you were noting uh, prior to me watching this as being one of the more uh, intricate shots in the film. And it's it's got to go down as one of the better shots in movie making. Single shots. It's a nice side scroll. You don't get side scroll in film like a video game. I mean, that was kind of no, cool. You, you don't see him take it on that wall. It still feels cramped because they they do a great setup shot looking down the hallway. You see how cramped it is. And it's uh, more like a crawlway underneath a uh, you know in a basement. I thought it was just those rows of jail cells that he was going through. And, oh, was that it? Was it one of the? Oh yeah. Okay, because it's like a special modified floor. What floor seven and a half or something? Something like at. that. Yeah. And yeah, so you're right, it is one of those jail hallways. He just uh he just goes like on a hammer party and he's just in there like claw like with a claw just ripping like yeah. dudes. There was only like fifteen guys. Yeah, only there. fifteen there wasn't, dudes. There wasn't thirty. Yeah. And since he's been in his jail cell like pounding the wall, like there's a shot where you actually see his knuckles at one point and they're just these. Oh giant, yeah, he's got huge calluses over his knuckles. Huge yeah. calluses. And uh he shadow boxes his way into some kind of a combat ready, you know, mm-hmm. command. It's funny. He actually, you know, he makes a comment. He comments to himself quite a bit in this movie. You know, he says uh, there's a couple of aphorisms he likes to keep saying to himself. And uh, one, one, one thing I thought was pretty neat. Uh, after the first fight, after he first gets out and he just fights with some, uh, he steals a cigarette from some hoodlums on the street and then has a fight with him. He goes, I wonder if, you know, all this imaginary practice, you know, for 10 years, he says, is 10 years of man- imaginary fight practice uh, going to be useful in practice? And then you see him beat the shit out of these five hoodlums. And he goes, yes, I guess it was. There was some uh, hmm? psychology experiment, a sports psychologist. Sports psychologist always seems like a weird field for people to go into. Uh, and it was, uh, two. you take two people, and you have one guy go out onto a basketball court and like shoot you know, free, throws. Free, free throws all day. And then you have one guy just sitting in a chair, uh, I guess, imagining himself throw free, free throws every, you know, for however long. I think they replaced part of their practice with imaginary or didn't. And you then put those two guys and give them a free throw contest and you'll find that they come out roughly the same. So as long as you're kind of building those junctions in your brain, not necessarily, you know, there's the muscle memory, but you're, you're also building that artificially just through, I guess, uh, routine in your, in your mind. You can actually, you can actually train yourself without training yourself strangely. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's important part of it but and it works out for him the funny the funny thing he says about that he makes a similar comment later after he uh sort of tries to rape uh yeah that's, fu- that's fucking toilet. weird that's fucking weird it was uh was 15 years of uh uh imaginary sex practice uh, is that useful in in uh in in reality and he goes no it's not <laughs> well that was yeah oh, that was another one that like kind of uh, well when i the mito desu and it reaction before the reveal i was Mm -hmm. like this is completely artificial this doesn't make any sense at all why would she have anything to do with this guy and well the idea is she was a really lonely person 
God, nobody's that the fucking of her. Remember when she's asking about that she had heard that people uh, who are really lonely sometimes imagine seeing ants because she is she read his his log books because he logged his time in solitary. Right, right. And she goes, uh, yeah, I've heard that uh, some people who are really lonely see ants, but I wouldn't know for sure. But then she flashes back to her lonely on a uh, oh, on a, to herself, you know, on a. Uh, Oh, on, on a, a on a on train, a subway train, with seeing like a life size uh, ant, cockroach, you or know, ant or something sitting on a seat down the hall. There is sort of an interesting uh, parallel with this film. It's a little, I hate to use the word because it's overused, but Kafka esque. Uh, and that one was sort of almost a nod to Franz Kafka. But there is a novel called The Trial that Franz Kafka wrote, and it's about a man who's been convicted of a crime that he doesn't know what the crime is. And he has to, Oh, because it's uh, classified or something. There's no explanation. He's just, mm. uh, the court summons him. He's, he's going, he's going through a judicial process. He doesn't know what his crime is. His crime is never revealed, but he has mm. to go through this Byzantine network, uh, to, I guess, defend himself and at the end he's executed uh but he never knows what his crime is and so mm. this is sort of the same because you have daisy who's locked up for 15 years not given any explanation why and then there's the sort of nod to kafka with the giant cockroach on the train or ant on the train so yeah i thought that was kind of an interesting parallel yeah and day sue always talks to himself about being transformed he's really worried about He's been transformed by this need for vengeance that he wonders what will be left of me afterwards. What happens when the old Desu returns? And he talks about, will Mito love the old Desu? They, okay, so he they run into, or he gets to Wujin finally. And Wujin gives him an ultimatum. And do you remember what that ultimatum is? Or was? Uh, well, I mean, when he first runs into Wu Jin, uh, the ultimatum is uh, figure out why I'm persecuting you. Right. And I'll kill myself in, in five days. If you don't. I'll kill Mito. Uh, I'll kill Mito, yeah. So he has five days to track this down. Yeah, that's like the last 45 minutes or so of the film. Yeah. Or, or hour, really. Right. And he realizes it's because of the uh, Evergreen school incident. Well, that's, you know, part of the back tracing where they find out, um, I'm not sure exactly, I can't quite remember the exact flow of everything, but uh, yeah, there's some, basically some private detective type shenanigans that happen. And he starts to trace back, trace things back, and he finds out about the woman who committed suicide. It was after he left, so he didn't have firsthand knowledge of it, and that the two were related, and that then he remembered seeing her being fondled by some guy. Right. And and uh, and the fact that uh, after he finds the bug that uh, Wu Jin puts on him in the heel of his boot, you know, uh, Wu Jin comes and uh, kills Yun He, Yun He, in the uh, Internet Cafe. Right. While he was saying that you know the girl who killed herself, uh, Sua, was a slut or something like that, and he pretty much puts two and two together at that point. What's interesting is that five-day scene where Midu and Desu are running around. Uh, there's the sex scene, which yeah. had way more gravitas associated with it than I was expecting because I didn't know what to make of Midu. And I thought, why is this character in here? And why am I... Why do why is this sex scene so friggin' long? You know, there's, there, and, I, 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 it was like, what the fuck? Why does Wu Jin come in later in a rubber suit and a gas mask and and feel, feel the two up as they're being of their gas uh, and yeah. sleep in the room? Right. So, why is he getting so much pleasure out of seeing the two of them bed each other? Oh yeah, I mean it it, it. it doesn't it doesn't make much sense until the reveal at the end. It's just part of this crazy motherfucker, right? And so the reveal, which we've already given away, I believe, but is that Midu is Desu's daughter, and uh, that was the revenge. Was yeah, uh, right there. That, his revenge was carried out. That was his revenge. That was the ultimate goal to have them bed each other. Right. Like, and the rest is just gravy. Yeah. It's like, hey, buddy, did you know you just fucked your daughter? 
Yeah, that's the that's the rest of the film. Him telling them, "Hey, do you know you fucked each other? You know who you two you are." Oh, uh, yeah. That's the end of the film. That, yeah. yeah, that's the end of it. And uh, he cuts out his tongue, which seemed a little bit excessive. Did you really? I don't think he had to do that. Really. Well, I understand the point of it. You know, you're wondering when uh, Desu's groveling, because there's really only after he finds out and is horrified by it. There's the threat that uh, Mido is going to find out what the story is because they both have their memories erased or something where they didn't know e- recognize each other as father and daughter until somebody basically tells them. Yeah. And uh, so he's got the that he can, you know, he can somehow, you know, influence uh, Wu Jin to make it so that Mido's never revealed the truth of the situation. Right. Yeah, right. So that's So he's doing whatever he's groveling and I guess t- cutting out the tongue sort of makes sense because you know uh Wu Jin sees Desu as it's his tongue that uh is the what carried out the evil, right? Well, so cutting out his tongue makes sense as you know somebody with loose lips or a gossiper and like old hardcore uh corporal punishment rules, you know, you'd like a thief would lose his hand, a gossiper would lose their tongue. Right. Yeah. So or, it makes sense as, you know, if you're trying anything, or, it's a punishment. Or a, a mob move, rat. And it does. And it does. A mob rat Wu, have his tongue taken out, you know, that yeah, kind of thing. So it, it does, but it works. Wu Jin holds back uh, at the end. And he doesn't make Mido learn what happened. And then he kills himself. And then he kills himself, yeah. So it's sort of an interesting... Uh, Denouement were uh, afterward were and this is sort of uh it was meant to be ambiguous I read where they're in the mountains and well you know that's one part that I'm still confused because Desu let's just set it up Desu after this all goes down so he has to live with the known ha- what happened right know, the whole story right. uh, Mido is is free from that burden and so uh, Desu finds that. That psychic or that that uh, it's the same woman I thought hypnotist. that hypnotized. Yeah, it's originally. the same woman. He finds that same woman. And says, "Hey, look, get rid of that part. Get rid of that memory, and let me be free of it." Of be- knowing so, that this is my daughter. Yeah, and knowing about this revenge and all the suffering I've been through. You know, take that part of me, which he calls the monster, and separate it from Desu, and uh, let me be free of it. And she goes, "Sure, I can do that." That uh, you know, the whole idea of the you're split in two. And then the monster walks away. Yeah. Yeah, you get that little bit there. But the thing that's sort of weird is once it cuts back out from that monster walking away scene in the in Wu Jin's old apartment, is that you're back in the mountains and uh, Mido's there and she greets the person that's walking. So there's a... So you wonder, is she? did she greet the monster? So Because no. the look on his face, sort of the smile on his face... The sort of crazy, you see him, mm-hmm. there's a, some stills of him with the, the raggedy hair looking at the, uh, looking at the poster says, you know, laugh and the world laughs with you and uh, cry and you cry weep alone. And you weep alone. Yeah. Uh, I know what I got was, is that uh, Desu and Mido continue to have an ambiguous, undefined relationship afterward because if they're both free of that knowledge, then... What do you make of it? Was the hypnosis? Uh, They're free to love each other. Well, and how are they to love each other? See, that's the ambiguous part of that last. I mean, scene. How are they? They love each other like a man and a woman. Yeah, love each other. Well, yeah. So, you know, what do well, you they're do there? free of any of the stigma because they don't know, and so it doesn't really matter. That's still sick shit, man. That's all I gotta say. Really? No, that's more what? societal stuff. What? Really? Oh man, really? I, haven't you watched enough ta- the Taboo series one through four, the pornography <laughs> series Taboo? I, I I've never seen the Taboo series, but uh, I mean, I mean, depending on the situation, it it probably wouldn't matter much if it happened every once in a while. Human population genetics, as far as that goes, really. So you think? Um, well, see, okay, this I think it's per- perfectly. Perfectly natural, perfectly healthy. <laughs> I just say it doesn't so, matter for the two of them. It doesn't make any difference, really, for them. As long as they don't, long as they don't know, and nobody else knows, it really, really matter. That's almost a Schrodinger's cat kind of, uh, not a Schrodinger's well, cat. A Heisenberg society doesn't know, so the society can't disapprove of it, and the two individuals don't know that the relationship's incestuous. Then 
I guess I'm I'm saying if nobody knows anything about it, the only problem you could have is the genetic issues with reproduction that sometimes occur with heavy inbreeding. This is just a one-off occurrence. I'm just saying it wouldn't matter. In Iceland, in, uh, there is a registry now, I guess, and there's about 350,000 Icelanders, and they don't do last names like we do last names. So if you were to have a son, uh, you would name your son whatever, and its last name, his last name would be Marks, Markson or, you know, like that's how we get all the sons, like Johnson and, you know, uh, all this, the, the last, you know, all those names. You're giving a confused look. I don't know why you're, you know, Johnson. All right. Makes sense. Son okay. of John. You're just saying that you don't, you're, there's not a family name that's kept. So there's not a family name. And so if okay. you have a daughter, then it's like it would be Mark's daughter or in my case, Matt's daughter. You know, okay, you so you'd be like Joe Matt's daughter, and Joe's son would be Fred Joe's son. Right, exactly. Okay, and so that goes on and on. But the problem is, is that if you have split families, or if you have you know broken families, and you get separation, then you never know that uh, the person you just went out on the date with could have been a uh, a cousin, sister, or a sister. Well, even. first cut. Well, there's no laws against first cousins. Well, in Iceland, you know, they worry a little bit about the genetic diversity of their population. Yeah, no, no. I mean, if your population is so enough, it's probably good on a larger level. So they have a whole but registry. But in this case, a one-off thing doesn't really matter, right? That's, yeah, I guess. I mean, I guess if, 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 it, if the circumstances of the relationship exist in a vacuum, that the actual relationship itself isn't... Uh, it's weird arguing for taboo, but I guess that's what we're trying to do. I don't know. Yeah, plus it's super hot. Yeah, man. Well, dude, you got to watch Taboo 1 through 4. I think it's probably uh, like 1 through 17 now. Uh, they got those on Netflix? Uh, no, but I, there's ways of getting them. Yeah, but there's all I kinds. Bought, of, I haven't bought a film for so long. Well, most of it hinges around like dudes doing their mothers, not necessarily daughters doing their fathers, but you know. Mm. Yeah, it's it's you get a kind of a cornucopia of incest in the taboo films. Yeah, Adam Carolla, he 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 goes on about taboo too. Yeah, he does. Maybe the maybe they'll remake them like they're remaking <laughs> Old Boy. I saw that. Oh, fuck, you know why did they? It could, it could have been worse. I don't know if you researched it at all, but um, it was originally uh, planned around 2008 with uh, Will Smith as the leading man and <sighs> Steven Spielberg directing. Two of my least favorite people in the world of movie making. Will Can you imagine Will Smith Will having Smith? sex with his daughter? That's now, man. They're going to write out that incest part so fast. It's going to make your head spin. Well, that's the thing about. There's this no movie. way in hell that's going to be in the. And this is a. Re, it's a remake of the film, not a remake of the manga, the Japanese manga, which Old Boy is based off of. Which departs a little bit from the actual film. I learned. Yeah, I, I didn't really read up on the manga. Um, I've never seen the it's less violent. It's supposed to be pretty good. The character of Desu is less fucked up. He comes out like more hard and focused than he does mm. in uh, the film. Uh, and then there's some other minor differences. But well, they probably draw it out too because it's a series. But uh, yeah, remaking it for American audiences, I don't. This is, I don't. This isn't really. Uh, this isn't American material. Really, I, I I don't think it's uh, would be acceptable at any level. I think we're yeah, too... but you can imagine what it'd be if Will Smith was in there. Oh fuck, it'd be ridiculous. It would be as ridiculous as uh, the actually well received uh, uh, "I Am Legend," Ugh. generally well thought of. Yeah, that's terrible. It's terrible Will that Smith that was version. well thought of. That was an awful yeah. film, <laughs> awful interpretation of that story. Yeah. They pretty much just fucked the whole the whole meaning of the entire story oh, at the end. I'm trying to bring up Old Boy 2013. Okay, so Josh Brolin looks yeah, like Josh he's Brolin's the in there for the to play uh, uh, Daisu. Yeah, it's du- it's Doucette. <laughs> Joe Doucette. Oh, he's going to go by the name of Doucette. <laughs> uh, that's, that's fine. I mean, is that closer to the uh, Japanese manga? Who is the what was the name of the manga? I don't know. Um, uh, let's oh see. Boy. It says... Oh, Shin, uh, Shinichi Goto. Oh, okay. Goto. Oh, you're so good with those Japanese names. I'm terrible. Oh, wow. uh, Spike Lee's directing it. Wow, Spike, really? Which sort of interesting. It's going to be a Spike uh, Lee joint. You know, Spike Lee movies, there's some pretty decent ones although they kind of it's weird because i always think of like spike lee is you know he sort of takes uh he tells sort of um black american stories that kind of seemed like his uh 
concentration or his focus, but he's done an yeah. actual lot of movies that have nothing to do with the sort of the black experience that have been pretty decent, like uh, 25th Hour. Did you ever see that? Uh, no. We, you know, we maybe uh, we should go back and uh, pick a, a Spike Lee movie. Well, there's, as long as it's not Do the Right Thing, because I uh, fucking hate that movie. Well, what other movie is a Spike Lee most famous well, for? You just said he had a, a, a wide oeuvre. Well, there's the 25th Hour, which isn't a great movie, but it's a decent movie. I don't okay. know. So I'm curious what he is going to oh, do. Did he do Jungle Fever? Yeah, he did Jungle Fever. Let's do that. Uh, I'm curious to see how they're going to deal with the whole double incest uh, plot scenario. You can't, oh, they're going to they're going to get rid of that so fast. You wouldn't. You'll never know. How could you make this movie without it? They can maybe they'll maybe keep the uh, the the evil masterminds incestuous relationship, but they'll be get they'll be. They'll get rid of something else. Well, they don't. He just can get back at them by punishing them or some bullshit. Well, that's the whole point of the loves. fifteen years, though. You need to age his child to the well, point where in she's the U.S. version that says twenty years, probably to make her twenty-one or something. <laughs> yeah, I don't want her like seventeen or anything underage. Yeah. yeah, keep it all legit. I think it'll be shitty. I think it'll be so. What? Oh, you got to be kidding me! It'll be so. Uh, well, I just wonder how they'll bastardize it. Well, after they get done focus grouping it, they'll rework the yeah, MPA runs through it a few times and it'll it'll turn to a big pile of shit. Uh, so anyway, anywho, I, I'm not not going to worry about it too much. Uh, you're not going to lose. But any this, sleep. This, this movie did run. It won the grand prize at, at uh, cons. Yeah. And uh, I mean, that's like second place at cons. That's coincidentally, that's pretty prestigious. Quentin Tarantino was on yeah. the jury for that one, which yeah, makes this, complete this sense because right this. Oh, yeah. This is right up his asshole, I'll tell you. Oh, man. It's like, like a freight train. Fucking dudes prying teeth out with hammer claws and oh, uh, they... incest. God, what what, oh. what doesn't this movie have for Quentin Tarantino? This is everything Quentin Tarantino loves. So the violence I didn't find especially gruesome. And there was only like eight deaths in this film. It wasn't like a mass slaughter. Um, the thugs don't get, you know, dismembered. They just kind of get beaten senseless and... Uh, the few close-ups of... Mr. Hahn takes a knife through the ear canal. <laughs> yeah, there's the severing of the hand of the jailer. Is that... Yeah, you don't see that happen, though. You don't. You just see the hand. Uh, yeah, and then there's, like, the, you know, suicide scene with Wu Jin. It's not... I don't know. Maybe I'm just completely desensitized to Hollywood... Vi- or not... Or film violence. Oh, I didn't, I didn't think the... I thought the violence was pretty well done. I mean, as I say, violence lo- should look like actual violence. It shouldn't be sanitized in any way. So this uh, violence, you know, it's got it's got some blood and it's got uh, looks like some real depictions of pain. Right. So, um, theme wise, this film, uh, besides uh, incest is bad, kids. Um, what you know? What's the? It's it's interesting because his crime and his and Desu's story is um, basically Pretty foolish. Well, it pivots on an event that he had completely forgot about and thought nothing of. You know. Yeah, that's that's the one thing about you know it's just it was it's more about Wu Jin's need for revenge than anything Daesu did. Other than Daesu lived a an evil life, which he admits to himself with the huge list of names of people he's wronged over the years. Oh yeah, he had to compile that to try to figure out. No, Wu might Jin be. didn't didn't even make it. Didn't on even that make list. the cut. So you know, it's sort of interesting, like uh, what sort of little ancillary event of your life caused unbelievable hardship to somebody you didn't even know about you know well it wasn't really his fault either i mean it was wu jin's own fault well yeah you know i think it's just sort of uh what i mean what does this movie saying something i don't know just the well it says a little bit more than the world it's i you know i kind of had a little hitchcockian sort of uh feel to this feel about this movie i thought it had the twists i think were especially uh of the Hitchcock variety, at least that, that yeah, felt boy, that, that way to that me. It was a hell of a twist, yeah. And one you weren't expecting. And uh, the one that made complete sense once it was revealed, too, which was nice. And maybe the female character is sort of helpless and hapless yeah. like in Hitchcock movies. Well, I was like, why is Mido in here? I kept asking that yeah. ever since she I, I guess I didn't. In. I guess I didn't ask that question so much. Oh, uh, okay. Um, but you're right. I mean, it was <laughs> that was a good question to ask. That that was a pivotal reason. He was there for on purpose in every way, shape, and form. And everything, every, all the events were staged and manipulated by mm-hmm. Wu Jin throughout the whole thing. Uh, yeah, a little jaw dropper. Yeah. So, 
I guess that's why people liked it. That's why it was so well received and had some nice action bits. And I thought the performance was nice. And a nice, sleek, gritty look to it. It really, uh, it had a nice look. It had a nice visual style, I thought. Yeah, it looked cool, like a a well-tailored, yet blood-soaked black suit. Uh, There you go. Stick with that one. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So why don't we uh, why don't we take a look? Ebert Ebert's uh, reviewed and like this one. So why don't we take a look? At All right. His, let's uh, let's hit up Ebert. So Ebert uh, reviewed this on May twenty fifth of uh, two thousand five. Uh, I guess you know not too long after Con. Uh, he says uh, he gives it four stars. And that's his highest rating, right? Uh, I believe so, yes. So he liked it quite a bit. He says um, about the character of uh, Daesu in this movie that the, the Korean director Park uh, Chan-wook watches him objectively, asking no sympathy, standing outside of his plight, which I think is sort of neat. I'm not too judgmental the way it views him. About Daesu? Yeah. Uh, sort of watching him suffer. Right, yeah, this is... It's uh, not play, doesn't play on your heartstrings, just something that is. Yeah, the music doesn't come up during the sappy points of the film, that's for sure. Yeah, so. this movie is not sentimental in any way, shape, or form. No. Uh, I guess I like that. It just stands back and shows you. Let's just look. Which is kind of interesting because there's directors like John Woo who are overly sappy, which, uh, yeah. yeah, you need somebody with a kind of a clean, objective eye to film something like this, I think. so. I think that's... I like, I like things that way, personally. Uh, he says, uh, when later, um, that, uh, when later our, our main protagonist talks to the man who imprisoned him when he meets, when he, uh, finally meets, uh, oh, I already forgot the names. <laughs> Wu Jin. Yeah. Uh, he, Wu Jin says, I'm a sort I'm sort of a scholar and what I study is you. And I didn't understand it at the time, but it makes Yeah, that doesn't, why, well, why would somebody be obsessed with this? drunken asshole that was the other thing i i just couldn't my mind couldn't stretch to the the limits that this movie took it yeah oh yeah definitely i, I couldn't imagine it which I thought was yeah there was no and this is i mean it the vertigo by hitchcock which we reviewed is is a completely mm. different film but it does have a twist midway and that twist slaps you upside the head and it's not even yeah. gimmicky like M. Night Shyamalan, where it's kind of uh, contrived to a certain degree. These twists are just, I mean, they hit you broadside and flat-footed, and they're not contrived at all, which is... Uh, and then it leads you through the, the the film that you... Or the beginning half of the film that you watched, going, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. You know, which is really a fun fun movie to watch. Any Any movie where I'm confused... But I know that the director is purposefully confusing me, and not to the point that uh, makes it tedious to watch, but to the point that you're wandering through this maze, and you know something's around the corner, uh, and you just are almost excited to find out what it is. And then when you find out, you're completely surprised. Those are like the greatest movies ever. And so this one fits the bill, I think. Yeah, I, th- I, think, uh, I think that's a good analogy there. I'm surprised that nowhere does uh, Ebert talk about Hitchcock. In his uh, review, well, and yeah. I think it would have been a a, a very salient point. To what make. up, you Ebert? <laughs> uh, and see, he goes on in its sexuality and violence. This is the kind of movie that can no longer easily be made in the United States. Yeah, here, here. He says, uh, and then he goes to talk about. Uh, he doesn't talk about explicitly what it's about, but Old Boy is a powerful film not because of what it depicts, but because of the depths of the human heart which it strips bare. I don't know if I totally follow mm, that. No, neither. Seems like kind of like filler words. Sorry. <laughs> sounds a little sounds a little too flowery. Yeah. But I think he's, you know, I let's see here. Um, let's see what else he talks about. He goes about the movie itself. Um, he talks about, let me see here. Um, once he finds out, uh, once he finds his way back to the jail after tracking down the uh, what, purple dragon or whatever yeah. it is purple blue violet blue dragon he says that's really the beginning of the movie the point at which it stops being about a mystery it becomes a tragedy in the classical sense i think that's dead right yeah it's kind of shakespearean shakespearean at a certain level it's even beyond that it's like greek tragic 
<laughs> is that is that more tragic than Shakespearean tragedy? I, I, I think it's uh, I think it's a little more sexy. All right. Well, Oedip- Oedip- you know, Oedipus got it on him with his mom. That's, you know, yeah. That's How did it work out pretty well for him? Or I did think, it? You know, I don't know. I don't think it, since it was a tragedy, I'm going to say. I don't think no. he kept his sight. It wasn't a comedy. Uh, they only did comedy or tragedy. So he says, um, as uh, there's one turn after the another of the screws of mental and physical anguish and poetic justice. Yeah. All so right. Just talk about the, the movie just keeps taking turns. It, it does keeps crazier and crazier. I thought it's pretty nice. Right. Uh, and he has a funny, funny paragraph here. I'm going to read in full. I am not an expert on Korean cinema, which is considered in critical circles as one of the most creative in the world. Really? I can say that of the Korean films I've seen, only one did not contain extraordinary sadomasochism. Gangnam style. By Sai. Old Boy contains a tooth-pulling scene that makes Lawrence Olivier's Nazi dentist and Marathon Man look like a healer, which I, I've never seen Marathon Man. I'd like to see uh, it's, it's, uh, this is worse by far. Claw <laughs> hammers in the mouth. Just There's nothing yeah, good to come out of that. <laughs> and uh, there's a scene during which an octopus is definitely harmed during <laughs> the making of the movie. Yeah, it's not having any fun. But he says these scenes aren't played for shock value. Uh, no, they're not. Uh, I mean, it's really they're all part of the film they're all important scenes it's not just shock and, and awe just to you know titillate the eyes yeah I mean, where he eats where he eats the when he eats the live octopus he needs something that's vital you know he's been right. you know he's just eating this cooked food forever all by himself he, or when he meets that man that's going to jump off the now that off the building he touches him he just he that's an interesting him. scene because you get the impression that that guy is living out uh, someone else's revenge fantasy, but you never know what that is. You know, you, you don't get an insight. He appears on the roof. There's a guy there about to commit suicide, um, but he could just be an actor in somebody else's revenge fantasy that may be completely unrelated to Wu Jin or anybody else. I don't know. It's sort of interesting. You don't know what happens. It's a mystery with that guy. Well, he jumps off the building and dies. Well, you know what happens to him, but you don't know why he's doing it. And why, oh, why he's the poor dog. You see the dog go flying when he hits the top of that car. his poodle to the same, yeah, suicide. It's kind of rough. <laughs> you actually see his arm flip out as, it, the, like, the dummy lands on the car and, like, a little ball of, ball of furry goes flying. I'm going to I'm gonna just assume that the poodle was a stunt poodle or a, a dummy what? poodle. Yeah, oh, they would have mentioned that. Said. The octopus would have been uh, second fiddle to any poodle deaths in the film. But anyway. Uh, he says he doesn't reveal the ending as you might expect. Cause yeah, it's we just blew it. So yeah. uh, he says, yes, the ending is improbable in its complexity, but it is not impossible and it is not unmotivated. I think that's pretty important. I mean, we've talked about complex plots, especially complex plots, you know, uh, you know, invented by some criminal mastermind and how they require all these twists and turns and that how improbable oh, they are. Right. But, you know, I think that this is just one path through this evil genius's plan. You have to expect that if he definitely was an evil genius, that this could have taken different branches and he would have had eventualities planned for those different branches. Well, it's, it's, yeah, but the, 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 the setup's not that complicated. Okay. Keep the guy jailed for 15 years. You know, that has its problems, but you yeah. can definitely so can do make that. Him bed his daughter. Right. And then he's already a womanizer and mm-hmm. you just throw a few switches in the both of them to, get each other together for five days and um you know i i can it's we're more complicated make, make them both make her desperate as well by you know manipulate manipulating her life or something. right and you know more complicated uh, uh conspiracies have been hatched and successfully completed I, I don't see why this it seems a little odd that you would stick to it for 15 years but uh yeah. well and longer because he Obviously, has had this revenge plotted. Oh yeah, beyond beyond high school, it's all the way back from high school. Oh yeah, yeah. like ages. I can't think of that, it. the intervening ten years after high school. There was or wow. There's like a lot of douchebags in high schools, but I can't think of anyone now where I'd want to spend some decent cash to. Well, the guy was some sort of incredible business mogul, so he had basically unlimited funds to throw at his little pet project. Right, and he also had a tramp stamp, which I thought was kind of funny. Like a weird one. Oh, he did? Oh, he had a cross on his lower Ass. back. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah, that was yeah. So that's pretty much it, but I, th- I think that's true. I mean, the motiv- I thought I thought the motivations were pretty good in the characters for their extreme behavior. Yeah, you didn't... Uh, 
I question. I didn't feel like it was any cheap shots in this film. No, the the motivations of the characters I did question, which was Mito, was explained, and uh, mm-hmm. it had a backstory. Although the whole hypnosis thing, I was like, well, how far can you know hypnosis actually motivate or get somebody to do something? Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, I can buy it. Whatever, it, it worked. Yeah. So. I totally buy into this film. So I enjoyed it. I think that pretty much uh, had some great action bits in it and some nice performances. Yeah. yeah. I, what kind of makes me want to delve into a little bit more of this genre of Korean cinema. I guess it's a genre. Korean sadomasochism of cinema. Is that what it is? Well, it's better than Japanese tentacle porn. All right. Well, we'll see. We'll contrast <laughs> those two. Uh, oh, and by the way, that picture that Ebert has up on his review is probably the most telling photo which is uh <laughs> after you've seen the film really sure. fucking crazy it's like there's desu and naked mido laying next to him and then you get uh Woojin in gimp-like fashion curled up next to him with his hand on her hip and uh gas mask on it's really disturbing <laughs> yeah check that out yeah. go go to that's a, that would have been a great movie poster i think <laughs> Because uh, that's the point. That's the sweet, <laughs> sweet. That's the sweet tears of revenge, like Cartman <laughs> yeah, that's right. drinking the tears of the of the, the kid down the street. We fed oh, his he, didn't he to. kill his parents or something like that? Yeah, and he yeah. fed it to him in his like lasagna, and he's like licking licking the tears <laughs> oh, off of his face. Uh, <laughs> fucking great episode. Yeah, it's like uh, it's sort of like <laughs> Titus. When we talk about Shakespearean. Oh, I love South Park. All right, so uh, next week we're going to switch gears a little bit and uh, do Swingers, which stars John Favreau, who's now a big director. Fatty. What's that? Big, fat son of a bitch. He's gotten a little big. And my favorite Republican, Vince Vaughn. I'll say that. Even He's though. a Republican? Fuck, yeah, you know, I whatever. Mm, yeah. I guess what are you gonna do? him and uh, Billy Baldwin or whatever, you know, you got to have a few of them out there. But uh, it's a fun movie. Have you seen Swingers? You know, I, I haven't because I'm not a big fan of those actors. But uh, I really, it's a pretty decent John Favreau and uh, shit, uh, Peter from the office uh, from Office Space. What's that guy's name? Ron Livingston is in it. Oh yeah. Well, I, I don't feel so. I sort of have a soft spot for Ron because of Office Space and uh, Band of Brothers. Yeah, and uh, Heather Graham, who's just always hot. Roller girl. Yeah. She's she maintains her hotness through some kind of uh, I don't know science experiment that got her a lab going to get her aborted fetuses. Yeah, they injected into her lips or something like that. So, anyhow, on that note, <laughs> well, I guess until next week. Bye bye. <laughs>